Getting your weekend started right. The Jet Set Breakfast. You are with the Jet Set Breakfast. And don't forget, uh, the number to uh, SMS us on is 41391. To WhatsApp us is 0614104107. Uh, and also, if you go to Twitter, at SAFM Radio, hashtag SAFM Jet Set Breakfast, or at Mish Constant. And if you've got questions for Professor Helen Reese, then now is the time to start sending them through. We did get an SMS from someone saying, or a WhatsApp from someone saying, that the Sunland Baobab tree fell over in April 2018, and it's not available for anyone to visit anymore, as there are new tenants leasing the farm now for agriculture, but that there is another big one near Mika in Limpopo. I'm not sure if that's true, but if you know more about the largest tree in the country you're welcome to uh, send us a message and let us know exactly what where when and how nevertheless it's 20 to 8 she is the chair of the south african health products regulatory authority she's a member of the world health organization international health regulations committee on covid19 she's a medical researcher and the founder and executive director of the wits reproductive health and hiv institute at the University of Witwatersrand. And sadly, she is on her second to last day. Prof Rees, I feel like, um, I feel like uh, my a parent has, is leaving me. I feel like a child who is being <laughs> left by, by their parent and that I'm going to have to go to therapy to have this resolved. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. But, uh, and I'll certainly be available. I was just discussing with your producer. I'll certainly be available to to come in from time to time, no problem at all. So, uh, but uh, perhaps because the numbers are down, going down, and uh, we're, we're trying to get back to a more normal, not completely, yeah. and we can talk about that, but uh, uh, and get the economy going. I think perhaps we don't need to have a, a weekly, but perhaps a monthly, or if there's something that big that comes up, then, then by all means, I'll, I'll <laughs> pleasure come back on. So next week is your last week. So I'm just going to let our listeners know so that they can celebrate you in every possible way. Prof, I'm going to start with a question that came in and it was something we were talking about as well. It's from Tidi and Tidi was saying, kindly ask the professor to remind me if children under five years are supposed to wear masks. Um, Customers are now expected to use common bottle sanitizers by retail stores unlike before when a designated person would stand at the door to to sanitize customers. So there's no hands-free stand customer. What are the risks? So two questions. Are children under five supposed to be wearing masks? And uh, what are the regulations and protocols with regards to being in retail stores? Well, if we start with the, the masks, um, the, I think there's widespread agreement that children under two years um, uh, that there isn't, uh, it, it would be very difficult. So, so under two years, also because the risk of serious illness, as we've seen, is, is thank goodness extremely small, and most of the serious events in, in younger, much younger children have occurred in children with other comorbidities. So, for under twos, I think there's wide, there's, there's global uh, agreement on that. For the two to fives in South Africa, there is a recommendation for children who are attending, say, daycare centers that they should wear masks. WHO has a, a differing view and says under five uh, don't wear masks. But um, I think, you know, <clears throat> as children get older and certainly, you know, five and older, if you can encourage them to wear masks at the moment, we should. Um, and that is the, 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 the South African recommendation. 
uh, from um, around, as I say, children, particularly in daycare, children who are mixing with other children in, in a in a in a crash type situation are encouraged to wear masks. But I think everyone recognises that it's difficult. It's difficult for these little ones um, to to actually tolerate a mask. So the answer would be yes, if you can get them after between the age of two and five to wear one, if they are in in a, a high risk exposure setting. But um, we understand that it's it's going to be quite a tough call. But certainly once you get over five, that should be encouraged. Children in schools, we encourage them. And once they reach 12 years, we regard um, them as, as adults and, and mask wearing should be the same, the same rules. You know, Prof, um, you mentioned that we, as we move towards the not completely normal state of affairs, and I suppose the question that one has to ask is, how does that talk to masks in general? I mean, I was at George Airport a few days ago and in the departures area, and I would say that at least a third of the people in that area just had their masks under their chin, which, of course, completely freaked me out and made me beyond anxious and and hysterical and irritated. <laughs> and it does raise this not completely normal that we will be moving into. Yes, and, and I think people must understand that, that, you know, there's obviously a lot of discussion now about going down to, to level one, and we're expecting to hear something from the president next week. And the health minister has indicated that that's where he would like to see things going if the numbers are, are going down. But uh, nobody is saying that we abandon all of these measures. If we abandon these measures and if we go back to normal, true normal, we will see cases shoot up. And I think the other thing we must just re- remind ourselves is that uh, the, the, the modelers and the actuarial scientists who are looking at this are saying we're still going to have many more thousands of deaths from, from this virus from yeah. now going forward. So we are not... Uh, out of the woods, there are still people going into hospitals and there will still be deaths. So um, as we go into a a lesser level of lockdown that we anticipate, wearing masks is important, distancing is important, staying out of crowded, poorly ventilated spaces. And uh, many people are of the view that mass gatherings are are a big risk for, for, for outbreaks. So I think we're going to have to bear in mind that, you know, mass gatherings, people packed together, it's really an, it's not going to be a, a recommended thing. And if you look what's happening in Europe, yeah. uh, because they've abandoned the many, the young people, particularly if you see in the city centres and you see in many of the European cities, they're not doing any measures at all of distancing or masks. And the numbers are going up in many of, in France, in Spain, in the UK, they're seeing their numbers shoot up again because if you abandon these measures, the numbers will go up. Yeah, and certainly, um, as you say, I mean, I just looked at the numbers. I think it's 113 deaths yesterday or the day before. So if, if we're looking at 100 over 100 deaths a day, that may seem less than it was, but that still that is still a lot of deaths. And exactly. as you say, those numbers yeah. will then just incrementally grow, grow and grow and grow. Um, we've got a question from someone asking about the vaccine, saying what was uh, the issue with uh, one of the participants and how does this impact our engagement? So this was a trial, it's called the Oxford, uh, the Oxford vaccine, it's called the Chadox vaccine. And uh, it's a trial that's now got 17,000 people who've been enrolled or are enrolled in it. 
Um, and it's anticipated that we, to go up many more thousands of people in the phase three study. In South Africa, we have trial sites that have enrolled 2,000 people um, and are following them up. Now, the, the case that occurred was in the UK, and this was a neurological uh, condition called transverse myelitis, um, and it's being investigated. Now, the important thing to understand here is when you do trials with thousands of people, you must anticipate that somewhere along the line, people just, just in the ordinary course of life, some people will get sick. Yeah. Um, and the important thing is, A, that in a clinical trial that you detect that and you take any sort of serious illness very seriously, um, and that's what clinical trials are designed to do, that uh, a case has to be reported to the regulatory authority and it has to be investigated. And this is what's happening. You can't assume that this case this neurological condition that's occurred in one participant is necessarily associated with the vaccine. And that's yeah. why there's an independent set of experts who oversee the study. It's called the Data and Safety Monitoring Board. They're set up from the outset of these studies to watch for safety and to watch the conduct of the trial. Um, and so they are now looking into this case to see whether they think, yes or no, this could possibly have any association with the vaccine. So this is a pause. The study's not stopped. This is a pause. And it's really quite common in big studies like this for something like that to happen. But it does show the importance of having really careful protocols that monitor safety. Um, and it shows that this worked because this was detected and all of the right measures have been put in place. And, and we'll wait to see whether anything more needs to be done. You know, it's an interesting one because I, I was thinking about it the other day. I was listening to an interview about this. And one of the things I was thinking is, given that the testing and these trials are taking place all around the world, if I'm not mistaken, it's um, the UK, Brazil, South Africa, and there's a couple of, I stand to be corrected, a couple of other countries but given how each country is responding differently to the virus, like if we look at how we're responding to it here comparative to Europe um, with the number of deaths, etc., um, doesn't that impact on how they think about the trialing? Um, well, in, in fact, we really want to have this diversity because you're yeah. quite right. What we're looking for is a vaccine that will work in very different conditions with different populations, different backgrounds of diseases, different age demographics, um, all of those things we want to take into account. And this is one of the reasons at the outset for the whole African region has been saying, we really want to participate in clinical trials because yeah. we don't want a vaccine that's only tested, for example, on uh, in, in Northern Hemisphere countries. Yeah. Um, we want to know that it's going to work and it's going to be safe in our setting. And we want to know how well it will work. Um, and so all of that is, 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 and that's one of the reasons why there's such diversity of the sites for all of these vaccine trials. So they're going to really majorly different regions of the world. That's absolutely fascinating. Um, we've got uh, Keith and Stellenbosch saying, um, are we not creating a wrong impression or misleading when we say the numbers are going down, whereas we are no longer doing rigorous testing? Are we no longer doing rigorous testing? Well, we are still doing testing. I mean, people who have symptoms, people who are presenting are, are being tested. So the numbers are not, uh, the numbers are, 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 it's not because they're not testing. The numbers, if you talk, and I was talking yesterday to a group of senior doctors who are um, in, in hospitals 
in uh, around the country, all around the country. And without exception, everyone from all of the different provinces was saying the numbers of admissions are going right down. We're seeing far fewer admissions into ICUs and into hospitals generally. So, so the answer is it's real. The numbers are going down. It isn't a, a quirk of testing because, in fact, the real shortage of tests that we had at the peak has been addressed to some extent, and we now do have much more access to tests. So it's real. The numbers are going down. And we, we've also seen, I think we discussed this previously, we've seen this high percentage of pregnant women and people living with HIV in the Western Cape who, when they were tested for antibodies, when their blood was tested, we found that they had been exposed. So we think probably a quarter to a third of the, the population has been exposed to, to infection at this point. Wow. Okay, so um, there's so, someone says, I'm not sure what this means, but you might understand it. Information is emerging that some of the initial modelling from Imperial College, I'm not sure where that was, was up to 10 times in excess of what actually occurred. Um, well, the, it certainly some of the early models, and including here in South Africa, some of the early models um, predicted a much worse scenario than, than we eventually saw. But the modeling and, and, and the modeling are, is informed by all sorts of assumptions. So perhaps some of the early assumptions in some of the models uh, meant that the modelers actually ended up with higher mortality and higher case rates. As we learn more and more, the modeling is becoming more and more accurate. And yeah. this week, for example, Discovery, their actuarial scientists, uh, um, just made made some uh, they shared their thoughts on what they think has happened but ac- across in South Africa for example now although we've, we've got about 50 over 15,000 deaths the general feeling from the experts the modeling groups that are looking at this is that it's probably more like 40,000 deaths that would have occurred it's just that we haven't been able to um, we haven't we, ha- we, we, we didn't capture all those deaths for a variety of reasons sure well, on that uh, particular note, we're going to have like chocolate cake virtually next week. We're going to celebrate <laughs> you because you've been so amazing. And then you're going to send us out into the world alone. <laughs> I'm not going. I'll, I'll with pleasure come back and ask the questions. You. And if, you know, if we have a second wave, which we're hoping won't be big. We think we will have a second wave yeah. uh, in a month or two, in a couple of months' time probably. But it's up to us. That second wave will be big if we all abandoned all of these measures that we put in place. So it really, the responsibility rests with us. And as I say, even now, we know that there are going to still be thousands more deaths in South Africa from this virus, even though the numbers are going down. So this is Okay, we seem to have lost Prof. Reese. Nevertheless, she'll be back on air next week, so uh, listen up for that and also listen to what she's saying. We are expecting, expecting a second wave in around a month's time. What does that mean? Are you wearing your mask? Wear your mask is all we can say. Social distance. Wash your hands. It's super simple.